On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we find ourselves in a unique position where Ryan, my team, the New York Giants, have got a win, and Mr. Model, Coulter, and Hughes, their teams all have a loss. My, 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 how the tables have turned. We're looking at the week two games. We got a lot of action on the board, including a very intriguing and spicy Thursday night game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. You got Mahomes, you got Herbert. That's going to be a marquee matchup. We got any action? Maybe. Will there be some crossfires? Maybe. Plus, we're also looking back at week one and just some of the bonehead decisions that were out there, particularly the Denver Broncos and their new coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Ouch. Rough start for that team, but we got that plus our picks for week two, so stay tuned for Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host as always. Joining us tonight, our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? Doing wonderful. Thank you for having me again, Kaz. Uh, Week two of the NFL. I mean, got off to a bad start in Seattle the other night with the Broncos, but obviously talking spreads with you guys is my favorite thing. So looking forward to discussing all these uh, 16 games, picking out some favorites and uh, delivering some good picks to our listeners. Man, we will get to your Broncos. There's a lot to to talk about. I was going to say, I almost built a a replica Melfi office for myself on Tuesday morning, (laughs) but I decided against it. The self Melfi. I mean, that's when you know things are bad. I've been there, my friend. We've Melfi. also got our Patriots expert living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty good, boys. Uh, I'll tell you, football is back. It's a great time of the year. I walk outside and need maybe a long sleeve shirt or a pair of jeans. Everything's right in the world. Uh, the Pats, maybe not so right. The Eagles. Maybe better than people think. So I'm excited to get into it this week. I got to say, this is a weird position, boys. This is like year four of the podcast. I think this is the first time that my team has got the win in week one and your teams are 0-1. This is a very strange position, but I, I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. And it seems like your coach might have the most uh, marbles upstairs. I know mine doesn't. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. for sure. When you look at new coaches, Coulter, I mean, Dable and Hackett right now, two different ends of the spectrum. They basically were faced with the same exact decision. And uh, the guy guy with the broken quarterback and the running back who's had three injuries and all that jazz opted to go for the two-point conversion. And the guy who has Russell Wilson and $250 million contract wanted to kick a field goal. I mean, just so much to break down there. So, like, let me start with the Giants because I'm being cautiously optimistic. As you guys know, every year when we do our preseason picks and we're looking forward, I'm always way too – optimistic about the giants I'm like ah, i don't know they kind of look good so i'm trying to temper my expectations but we've got a nice little break here with the schedule and stealing a win here in tennessee because the giants now we play carolina this week then we've got dallas at home on monday night without dak and then the bears so the first four games now all of a sudden since we stole that win in tennessee now don't seem like it's going to be terrible but 
I got to say, it feels incredible to have hope for once as a New York Giants fan. It's been a long time since you were able to sit down and be like, wow, we've got a coach who the players are rallying behind, who's has a modern offense. I mean, they were running motions. They were running all kinds of different integrating, like different kinds of routes going on. You saw different motions, different pass. But we got an offensive line for the first time in five years. I, I mean, Coulter, temper me down, pull me back down to reality here, but shouldn't I be a little bit excited? Sure. I mean, you beat the number one seed in the AFC from last season and their place to open the season. Uh, you know, not to mention coach of the year last year, Mike Vrabel, um, you know, first game ever coach for your coach Dable. So, I mean, you got to be very happy with that. Uh, and then like a little cherry on top of the Sunday, you didn't have to play in the annual Dallas Cowboys Sunday night game on NBC. And in that game, the Cowboys of course had to play in it and they lost their quarterback. So you got a leg up on your biggest rival and you got a, a, arguably the best road win of the week. I know there was a couple road winners, but, uh, I mean, you, it's hard. You're hard pressed to say that the Giants didn't have the most impressive uh, week one road win. Yeah, for sure. And again, so, tempering, Hughes. I'm tempering because Philly so, was good. But talking yeah, about the let's let's just say Coulter didn't temper shit, and I need to come in here with the hammer <laughs> because one, the idea that it's been a long time since we had a good team and a good coach when you won a Super Bowl ten years ago really slips a finger to a lot of the teams in the NFL that have never even sniffed putting a hand on Lombardi, but I'll just say this giants fans are traditionally spoiled. And so I'm not surprised that the whole, Oh, we haven't been good in a while and we won one game. So we're back. You guys kind of sound like Texas. It's like, well, Texas football, like, Oh, we're back. We lost to Bama, but we're still back. Um, but at the same time, there were a lot of positives. So I will give you that. The one thing I would say though, is to me, this was week four of the preseason. I said it to you guys during the week. It was some of the ugliest football I've ever seen. Some of the greatest drama from a gambling perspective. But like at the end of the day, I really do think, I think the season starts this week. I don't mean that to say like that the Pats losing shouldn't matter. And we don't need to talk about the fact that there are definitely problems. Uh, but I do think like as the teams played preseason and we saw this with the Broncos too, um, we'll get to that later, but like, the lack of attention to detail, the lack of execution, all the penalties, all the turnovers. The I just think it was the clock management, the new coaches who had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Uh, and though some of them did win. So got to give those guys what about, credit. What about like, Russell just, Wilson bitching about he wants to speed the offense up. Meanwhile, the guy's taking it to the one second every time. How can you speed the offense up when you're taking the, you're, yeah. the, you're running the most predictable offense in the world because guess what? All three of us have played football. It doesn't matter what play call your offensive coordinator is sending in. If you're hiking it with one second on the play call, the defense yeah. is at an advantage. Yeah. Every single yeah. play that that happens, I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care if you have the best play call ever. The defense has an advantage if they know when the snap is coming, and that happened five or six different times on that, the night. I find yeah. that crazy too because Hackett was calling plays in Green Bay. Like I know Lafleur was really calling the plays. But it, it's the, it's the Hughes's point. It's the preseason effect. It's just none of that was ironed out at all in the preseason. We didn't start a single guy from our offense or defense in three games in the preseason, uh, and he was adamant that it wouldn't have been an issue. And of course, it was an issue in the first week of the season. So. Yeah. Well, look, right, so let's finish up on the Giants real quick before we <laughs> jump into anything else. Because I did have one other thing. Jesus, like, let's, let's <laughs> hold on. Okay. I don't Daniel know. Jones we needs we a good really looking. need to consider if the Titan, if the Tennessee Titans are still number one seed caliber 
that no, they were. I think they no, could be, not, but they but always I was just saying it's still a good win, right? It's still a good win. They're oh, one road last season. His, so my buddy texted me, uh, not the buddy that uh, is Kaz, and said, my son is six. This is the first time the Giants have had a winning record in his lifetime. And so no. I do agree. This was a big win on the road against a team that's yet. Yeah, they weren't playing a dud. This team expects to go to the playoffs. They are have their they they have plenty of good players. I totally agree. But I'm just saying, like the Titans historically do this. This was week four of the preseason. I, let's see what the Giants the Giants are at home this week in a favorable matchup and our favorite. So our favorite, yeah. We are going to see what the New York Football Giants are bringing to the 2020 NFL season week two if they show up at home, respond, don't celebrate what happened, and go two and zero. That's when I'll yep. start to think that that's oh, going to be maybe this team's back. That's going to be the real tell for this team because I still think there's questions on the line. There's still some stuff that's got to be figured out there. Daniel Jones is still not the guy, but just from a perception standpoint as a fan, it felt great because that whole first half I'm sitting there watching this like, God, I feel like this is the Jets. Sorry, Jets fans, but same old Jets. That's the expression, right? I'm watching the first half of this game. Like, good God, nothing has changed. Every two years we bring in a new coach and it's just the same old bullshit. And then all of a sudden a switch flipped and they fucking started playing well. Do you think it had anything to do with Brian Dayball absolutely bitching out Daniel Jones yes, on I, the sideline I, after making another Daniel Jones type play throwing right. a fucking interception? He was like, we're not going to do this again this year. Right. Yeah. No, that was right. You got one more shot and I'll play the fucking other guy. I'm exactly. pretty sure that's probably what he fucking said. Cause Tyrod is probably a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Let's yeah. just be honest. But hell that yeah. was incredible. I mean, because, well, not a hell yeah, but yeah, but you never saw, Joe Judge or Shermer sitting down and fucking getting in Daniel Jones's ear. And it sets the tone. It really does. From a fan's perspective, obviously you're like, oh shit, maybe this is different. But on the team, when you see your coach chewing out your quarterback, it's accountability. He's fucking setting the tone for the team and for the season. I think, I I think that was a huge part of it. Hughes, that was a great point. I was was impressed. I was impressed by that. And I, I did think that they, you know, if Saquon can stay healthy, I think we saw flashes of what Saquon can be. I mean, the guy is a bona fide, star from a the ball in his hands perspective now if he's hurt he can't play he can't do anything but i think if he can stay healthy that offensive line can hold up i saw i saw a statistic that dan jones had zero percent balls uh non-accurate or not on target or whatever however they judge like him and kirk Cousins were the <laughs> only two guys last week that had like zero passes that were outside of whatever um the target was that they were throwing at and i think he just can't make those dumb fucking plays where he throws a pick in the end zone. And, and when you're just like, dude, you just didn't even see what was happening. Yeah. Again, but, I'm tempering. I'm tempering. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm too. <laughs> Cause I believe me, you're not the only one in my ear. Yeah, no. I got a lot. <laughs> I got a lot of the big, the big blue machine behind me. That's chirping. So we'll we'll get to your pats bill, but let's go to Coulter <laughs> and the Monday night Broncos. Yes. Because my guy, you spent $265 million on Russell, Russell Wilson, oh, 57 and, million this year. Yeah. And we got a mediocre offense at best. I don't even want to just jump in and start with the end of the game, Coulter. So just talk me through your, your feelings on game one with Russ and what you were seeing from that offense. Cause it wasn't pretty. Just a colossal waste of resources, money that could be going to feed poor children or something. I mean, you should give some of it back. I mean, you know, in, in real out reality, you know, the shotgun runs from the five yard line are pathetic calls. The the time management, the clock management was really, really piss poor. At the end of games, the whole thing was horrible. And then he admits that he got it wrong to the media, which you just shouldn't do, even if he did get it wrong. Um, 
I mean, where do you even begin? The defense didn't look great in the first half. Then it looked great in the second half, but it, it was a little bit too late almost, even though they only allowed 17 points. You can't say it was a great special teams game because our kicker missed the field goal. So, I mean, we all three phases of the game, I didn't like what I saw. Uh, you know, Wilson obviously had the nice deep throw to, to Judy. Uh, thought he had a nice connection with Javante Williams. But, I mean, we're not paying him $57 million a year to fucking throw to our running back, are we? No. So no, let's, let's, and, I was going to say, Hugh, before you jump in, let's go to the goal line shotgun handoff. Terrible. Never I works. Any team they, that does And they this. go down to one second, too. So it's like, not only is it a horrible play call, it was like I was saying earlier, even if you have the best play call, it doesn't work when you go down to one second. You That that was the worst play call that you could have had in that situation. And they let the play cock go down to one second. And then, of course, the guy on Seattle blows up our center and the rest is history. Yeah. Now, you've got Russ, again who's an athletic quarterback fucking run the read. I, you know, I, texted, I texted you guys this, and this is the sound bite. I, I honestly think there was a backdoor agreement between ownership and management and Hackett and Wilson. He did not look like a quarterback that was ever going to run. And the play calling down there was just atrocious. I mean, put him in out into the open and let him either run it into the end zone or throw it. Why put it in the back's hands? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I really hope that he gets more mobile because that was detrimental, huge part of our offense. He just kept checking down to Williams when it's like, if he actually held on to it a little bit longer, he might've been able to run for even more yards than Williams was able to, you know, catch the ball for with three or four yard dump off. That, that play should be banned from every playbook. I know. I know. Fourth and one goal line. Why are you in shotgun doing a fucking zone read handoff? It makes no sense. Hughes. I don't get it. Uh, I don't either. I think the goal is to get the ball in the running back's hands fast as possible. I don't think it ever works. Um, I think to revisit one of Coulter's points uh, and to reference the great slim Charles uh, from the wire, you got to fight on that lie. You can't go back on the decision. Like, you know, once, once it happens, you just got to go with it. Like I I agree. I think everybody thinking that him being self-deprecating and admitting that he got it wrong is just not the point. You tell your team you maybe got it wrong. Or you tell Russ you got it wrong. You don't go fucking running that shit to the media. You're on to the next game. Right. There's no reason to be putting this level of doubt in everybody's mind and people honestly watching that thinking that he's a joke. And I think that's that's what you don't want in that locker room, at least from my perspective of the guys that have been there and done it, right? Like it's an in-the-house type of thing. And I just think he he just... Oh, there's got to be so much game, doubt. Yeah, yeah. Got, he was like hyperventilating after the game. Like he couldn't breathe. Like he was in his press guy. He's like, ha, 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 ha. it was just like, dude, like chill. Like just walk away or something. I don't know. Like there had to be a better, better thing. And I think like he was just the, the we played a great game stuff after was just crazy. And I think he's out of his element. I think he might, he might be able to grow into it, but it definitely looked like throughout that game, he was out of his element and it didn't help Bronco fans that Peyton Manning on ESPN <laughs> calling timeout. 20 plus times within 35 fucking seconds. I think I heard it today was 62. It it was, the number was incredible. I, yeah, I didn't know what it was. I mean, just unbelievable amount of times that Peyton just sitting there. I think we all were. And I think that's where I don't understand. You had three time. You had so many scenarios that could have given you more time and more space to both have a chance to win it and potentially go for it or both. And he just fucking decided to wait till there was 20. I don't know. Like it, it was weird. It's fucking weird. I'm fine with running down the clock and letting McManus try to win the game. I really am. Uh, it's not a high, it's not a high 
proposition. It's like 5% of I think I, I read, but I mean, he is the team captain, et cetera, but you have to do that situation correctly. You have to run down the clock, literally run it down to zero and then keep a field goal. But there's just no need to do it in that situation. Go I for disagree, it, my man. Yeah, I know. You so what? You convert it. Yeah. No, but like, I'm why saying, not kick I'm it? Saying so- if it was, I'm saying if it was a game situation where are we throwing it for a, right. a fourth down conversion from the 45 yard line with 10 seconds left or running it down to one. Obviously this is a different scenario with like yeah. a minute left, but like, I don't mind putting the game in McManus's hands for a game winning field goal. I, I just, I, my thing is, I, is I, I don't get why you would just talk to the media after the game and admit that you got it wrong. Cause as you said, it's so much doubt in the player's mind, you know, there's doubt. We were just talking about the one yard runs. I mean, I already have doubt that this guy can call a efficient yeah. uh, red zone offense. And then I really strongly doubt he knows how to end a game. I mean, those are the yeah. two most important things a head coach needs to know how to do. If you're an offensive coach, which he is, he can't yeah. coach in the red zone and he can't coach at the end of the game. We're fucked. Yeah. No, I, I, I just, that's where I agree with you on the kick thing. But in that scenario, I would have either called the timeout immediately and kicked it. And then at least if he misses yes, it and then for one reason your, or another, yeah, you leave a minute got, left on the clock. Yeah, right. you've got some time. Or run him out there and kick it with whatever, and then you've got all three timeouts. Yeah, three and timeouts, you, can, yeah. you can you can get the I ball back with 30 That was seconds. the best strategy, right? Yeah. Right. It's like, he, yeah, he gets tackled. And, and that's where I think to the point of planning and going through this, if he knows in his head, I'm going to kick it, the second Williams gets tackled, which, again, I think send Williams did a good out. job of getting – Right, boom, send him out. You know you have three timeouts in your pocket. My biggest problem is, and I, I maybe I was overreading the situation, he seemed to be asking the referee while they were taking a knee and he was calling timeouts why he didn't have another timeout. Yeah. And it almost seemed like he forgot or that he thought they spiked it. Part of me thought that he thought that they spiked the ball or had something happen and they didn't call a timeout at, with Russ when the clock was about to expire after they didn't make a decision on what to do. Because he was definitely talking to the ref for a while and the camera panned to him twice. And it looked to me like he was confused about the timeout situation. And so like that to me too, it just shows he was completely unprepared for what was happening. And I know what would have helped him prepare was the preseason. Exactly. No, I totally agree. That's why it's like, I don't get why he played new coach, new quarterback, new system, new everything. Let's take everybody out and no one plays in the preseason. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but out. you're not going to get that exact snare in the preseason. But, like, to me, what it, I found weird was the timeouts used because he's still calling the two timeouts when they're when Seattle's kneeling at the end of the game. It's he, like, what are I'm you doing? I'm telling you. I'm so telling like, you. He thought he, he had three. He completely forgot how many timeouts he had. I know. I think he didn't. I, again, I don't think he realized how that scenario played out somehow. Or, like, it didn't. That he, I don't called, know, that I don't he burned know, the timeout. Yeah. That he or thought, he thought that Seattle spike, called yeah. it maybe. I don't. I don't know if he thought maybe Seattle called the timeout. If he thought like Either way, it's a great level, ball, like, something happened. Yeah. A great something level happened. of lack of intelligence on his part, which is just yeah. concerning. See, he's the head coach. For and me, I also though, think it shows Russ is not a take. Like, I don't, yeah, Russ needs not, to exactly. take the fucking wheel. You know, it's not, he needs to take control. He's the guy in this situation. Yeah. And if he wants to turn this thing around, and that's where I don't think he's that guy based off, not just based off the TikToks, guys. I probably <laughs> I completely agree with you, Hughes, though, because a couple of things stood out from that. Like, if you're the quarterback there, fourth and five is doable. Like, it's not like you're looking at fourth and 15, fourth and 10. Like, fourth and five, you can call pretty much any play in your playbook. And then, to me, the other thing that stood out is Ross's post-game conference where he's like, look, I got 100% confidence in Coach Hackett. And I get on paper that's what you're supposed to say, but that's his fucking first game playing with Coach Hackett. Let's be real. It's the first game that counted. Are you telling me that you really do have that much confidence in him? I get he can't say that, but why can't he come out and be like, yo, I wanted the ball in that situation. That's not going to cause problems. 
That's not going to say like all oh, these guys are on the different terms. That's be like, yo, I'm the fucking quarterback. I'm the fucking guy. Fourth and five. Yeah. We got yeah. Two and how about, left. and how about if we're not going to do the preseason thing where Russ gets a series, which is whatever. Uh, and you're right, Kaz, that situation never would have played out in the preseason, but like, how about a simple conversation between quarterback and coach where, Hey, if it's fourth and five at the end of the game, I'm taking the ball and we're fucking going for it because I'm a pro bowl, super bowl. Yeah et cetera, $250 million quarterback. And that's just it. I'm going to take the ball and we're going to go for it on fourth down in a certain yeah. situation. Like, I, or I call know. a timeout. Yeah. yeah we'll give it a call thing. Out talk talk it on the sideline. Yeah. yeah. That was what people I mean, wanted. That would have been fine. Right. So call a timeout right. fourth and five. Let's right. draw up a play and talk yep. about it. Yep. And again, worse, wrong if with you that. call the timeout when he gets tackled, Worst case scenario, you still have a chance to get the ball back with maybe like 15 to 20 seconds. seconds. Yeah, sure. Miss field goal, too, you're forgetting on the 64-yard thing is they get on the opposite side of the 50. They could have just allowed Seattle to hypothetically score and gotten the ball back that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios. Yeah. There's a lot. They just – yeah, they – we got to move on though, because it was – I I was going to say – I I, 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 I thought I I wasn't going to have to relitigate all this I've been stalling. Yeah. I'll be honest, man. I only saw about five minutes of the game, but I don't think there was even a highlight to see from the Pat side of things. And you got a first time coach taking down the greatest coach in all of football. Now, before the season started, when I saw you, you were oozing confidence about the Patriots. Does that still hold up? Yeah. uh, All right. I would say yes and no. And I, I'll say it from this perspective. And I did not get to see all of the game either, uh, though I did see most uh, of it and obviously have dissected the box score. Um, I don't think that it was like a normal type of game in certain situations because the two times, the two touchdowns that Miami scored were both bizarro plays. Now, granted, they happen. And part of it, part of one of them is, I think, what our ultimate concern should be, which is the offensive line. So strip sack, fumble, touchdown uh, on Mac early. And then they scored a weird touchdown to end the half on a fourth and seven that I think the Patriots didn't think they were actually going to go for it. I thought, I I don't know what uh, Mills was doing, but neither here nor there. They were both like weird mental breakdowns that just, you know, led to touchdowns. But other than that, it was just two field goals. I thought the defense played pretty well. I thought our weakness was going to be corner. I don't think it's corner. I like the guys we've got. I think our weakness ultimately right now is offensive line and explosive plays. I think we can get there. I don't know why um, Orn didn't play more. He got in and had a nice catch late, but just also too many, too many mistakes, too many turnovers, too many dumb penalties. They got to clean it up. It's not, you know, emblematic of a, of a Belichick team. Uh, it was very sloppy. Uh, and I think, again, I'm going to chalk this one a little bit up to, they always play awful in Miami. What? It's is like that? a, it's like a rite of passage for Patriots teams. It was a hundred degrees. Not to take make that as an excuse. It's been hot in the Northeast too, but like it was just one of those games. Like it was just bound for them to like. It looked like so many other games when Brady was there. Of like, why can we not win here? This team stinks. This team doesn't stink. I don't think Miami is as good as I thought they were going to be though. Tua stinks um, for all intents and purposes. I think they have some really good weapons. Um, but it's going to be hard to get them the ball because uh, he just he throws these lame ducks every once in a while. Some some of them get tipped, but I hate lefty quarterbacks, so that'll be my stance forever. Um, but I think I think again, I, like I said about the Giants, I think week two for the Pats favored in Pittsburgh is banana land, 
And if that's if Vegas thinks that they're the better team going in there after what we saw in Miami, then my assumption is that this Pats team isn't as bad as people think they are. Probably not as good as I thought they were going to be preseason. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, I had Miami, but I was surprised at the box score, to be honest with you. Like, I thought the Pats' offense would show up a little bit more. They didn't. Yeah, like Miami, no. Miami's defense has always been good, but now without Flores, you know, I thought maybe they might lose a step, but it didn't appear that way. Now, no. I know we've treated two as a punchy bag on the show here, but McDaniel's <laughs> offense knows how to get the ball out quick, and a lot of mm-hmm. the success they had was just, like, feeding Debo at the line of scrimmage or, like, these little crossing routes and things like that. Yep. And Jimmy G doesn't have a rocket of an arm. So if Tua can just like, yep. just get the ball, be accurate, get the ball out quickly and be accurate. I don't know. Maybe they could be a little frisky team. What do you think? I think they're frisky. I'm, uh, you know, my stance on Tua though. I, I just don't think that guy's a winner uh, long-term in the NFL. And I think they're going to end up going with a different quarterback. If not next season, the year after that. So uh, you know what? They've got a great roster. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I think, He's a really you you hit the you know the, the the hammer on the nail there with the offense and the way that they have it designed is you don't have to wait for the play to develop it's going to be Hill and, and Waddle and Gasecki and they're going to just be open five yards from the line of scrimmage and you just hit them while they're dashing across your you know line of vision yeah put, put some put a little bit of sauce on it but don't you know don't rip it into the sideline well Hughes you segged this into week two pretty well there because I gotta say. I, for one, am shocked that they are favored on the road in Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh's got some struggles on offense. Let's be fair. Their defense looked incredible. And I know TJ Watt's not playing this week. Does that not look at you and say, what is this line? This is a wonky ass line, Hughes. Yeah. I, I mean, that one and the Miami bounce back line, three and a half dogs in Baltimore. I, I, I think, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to read some of this stuff because I mean, obviously we know that the home team is going to get some level of bias, but like, yeah, I was surprised to see after Pittsburgh put up such a solid performance against what I think is a, is a good Bengals team. I mean, they're, what's the line for them this week? Where's it there? They're I mean, seven, they're seven and, and a half. half. Seven well, I guess half. they got Dallas with no Dak, but like that's still seven and a half on the road and Pittsburgh just beat them. And then Pittsburgh's going home and if you start doing the math, the it doesn't make it. I'm yeah, just confused, really, man. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. where I don't get it. So that's where I think Vegas is either thinking that people like that the Pats are not bad and that Belichick is going to find a way to bounce back in week two, um, or that Pittsburgh really stinks, which I I just didn't see that in that Cincinnati game. So yeah, the, there's there's some there's some head scratchers. We talked about it, and we're going to get into our picks. But like, I mean, the Niners nine and a half, like. Oh, there are some big okay. numbers and there are okay. some weird numbers this week. So I guess let's just, let's jump in. Let's make our picks. Hughes. Why don't you take us away with your first pick of week number two? Two, I'm going to go with Thursday night. And I feel like this is, this is what we call, you know, par golf. I need a bounce back real easy one. I got the chiefs minus three and a half against the chargers. I don't see how they stop the chiefs offense. I think they've got some good, defensive backs. I don't think that the chiefs are in a position to be stopped at home Thursday night on a short week. I just think the chiefs class this, the, the place out. Um, and I think the offense was on full display last week uh, and it'll be on display again. I think the chargers, I like the chargers. I think it should be a fun game, but I thought we saw some real, like th- their defense is, is definitely the strength. I, their offense is not to me, 
like just it needs to hit it like another level. I think Herbert's obviously nice, but I don't know. There's just something about it that it just doesn't it doesn't seem to really like take off at times. And I think some of that's the play calling. I'm not a you know, I'm not a huge fan of hating on play callers, but like at the same time, I think there's just some limitations there. And I think Allen's out still. Um, yep. I think he's he's obviously a huge weapon in that offense. I mean, I don't think Mike Williams had like a touch. Uh, they've just got to they've got to open it up a little bit somehow. But I mean, Eckler's good. But I'm on the Chiefs minus three and a half Thursday night's my first pick. All right, Coulter, what do you think? Yeah, I'd have to tend to agree with Hughes on that one. I'm going to be taking the Chiefs in our pool as well. Uh, the one thing I'm really concerned about in this game though is that the Chiefs are thin at corner. They lost the first round rookie out of Washington, McDuffie. Uh, and they only have four guys on their roster. Now you pointed out that Allen is out for the chargers. So maybe that just washes out in the, the laundry. Um, right. but that aspect of it, I don't love any NFL team. I don't care if it's the team with Patrick Mahomes or not going against Justin Herbert with just four defensive backs. That kind of concerns me on a short week, uh, especially with the three and a half hook. I'm going to take Kansas city for the reasons that Hughes said, I think, uh, they can't keep up with Mahomes, And I think Kansas city's defense is underrated. Um, I don't think I didn't see anything from Williams or Palmer, or any of the other chargers playmakers. And so therefore I, I, I think I have an edge for the, the Kansas city defense on, over the San or the Los Angeles offense. And so both edges go to Kansas city. I have to take the three and a half points at home. I think they're mass motiv- max motivated from losing this matchup last year. I'll take the chiefs. Yeah. I'm on the chiefs as well here. I think we may have potentially overlooked the Mahomes factor that people are counting him out because he doesn't have Tyree kill. I think he's going to fucking come out this season and just prove that he is the best quarterback in the league. I mean, he is weirdly being like under mentioned. I mean, I know in like fantasy worlds, like that's one thing, but like you didn't hear much about him off season. All the talk was Tyreek. He was blown up to his fucking arm and passing. It's like, what the hell? I think Mahomes is a little slighted by everything he heard. And he wants to remind everybody he's that fucking guy. I mean, he came out. Yeah. And he threw five touchdowns and made it look very fucking easy against a decent Cardinals team. Yeah. They've diversified. They've diversified their weapons too. And if Hilaire's healthy, I think they've got, like, I just think they've got a plethora of guys um, that can get it done. I agree with you. And I think sometimes you take out a hill and all of a sudden, you know, you you remove the hottest girl in the room, the four other girls look pretty good. (laughs) And all of a sudden these guys are like, all right, Maybe I've got four dudes I can spread it around to as opposed to like, I got to get Tyreek the ball because he's the most explosive player on the team. Yeah. And I think you saw that to agree. So to some degree last year is like he would try and force these deep passes to Tyreek yeah. just to like try and get Tyreek going. And it's like, maybe if you don't have that temptation, I guess let's call it temptation, you know, maybe yeah. you get back to more of a consistent rhythmic offense and you're hitting these shorter throws and everything opens up all of a sudden. And Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey. He's a nightmare matchup. Yeah, so nightmare. Yeah. I, I, the other thing too is you, you would think that if they thought this was such a problem, it's not like there are an attractive names out there on the free agent. Like Will right. Fuller is available. Odell Beckham is available. If they really thought their receiver room was lackluster to a way that it would hamper Mahomes and their Super Bowl aspirations, let's not forget this is a franchise that signed him to a 10 year long term. We want to be in the AFC Championship or Super Bowl for the next 10 year type deal. Uh, and that's their aspirations. And they would have signed a guy like Will Fuller, or they would be there'd be rumors about Odell Beckham. They're fine with what they have. There hasn't been a single peep about any of that. Yep. No. I, and both Schuster and Scantling are good. Like, and I yeah. think like those guys, they had successful like. T- they're not the, some of the guys I feel like they've been bringing in in the past that were you know like Watkins was good and like but like I just think these guys are. I think there's some pedigree there. They've played with really good quarterbacks. They know 
how to get open. They know how to do the little things and also, you know, potentially make some explosive plays. I, I think, I think it's a really um, well-oiled offense. I don't know what their defense really brings to the table other than Jones up the middle is obviously um, a problem for anybody, but their defense is going to be the thing. And you're right. The chargers may be able to exploit that. Um, I definitely think that there's, there's some serious holes. Yeah. Great points to use. All right. That's a consensus pick. So I don't know if maybe people should be worried yeah, about that, bad. but who knows? Uh, Coulter, let's get your week uh, two pick. I'll give the people something to talk about. You yes. guys are already on the hook. You guys are already preliminary cross-firing this one. I can see it in your eyes. I am going to take the least sexy team on the board this week, the Dallas Cowboys plus seven and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think this is a great spot for the Cowboys. Everybody in America thinks they're done. I've heard that the Cowboys are now six to one uh, on the NFC East because of the Dak Prescott inju- in, uh, injury. The guy's coming back. The NFC East is in a runaway division. These teams are going to beat up on each other. This team has playoff Super Bowl aspirations, just like the Chiefs. They're the Dallas fucking Cowboys. What are they going to just go roll over? Let's not forget, they're back up. Cooper Rush, one game last year. Three, count them, three different deficits. Overcame Minnesota Vikings, who is the only team in the entire league that has a three-and-a-half-point home field advantage, according to Las Vegas. They were at Minnesota. Cowboys went in, won that game. Cooper Rush erased three different deficits, 7-0, 10-3, 13-10, won the game. Actually, four, 16-13. Four different deficits for a back and quarterback on the road in a tough playing environment. Cooper, 325 yards. I'll take Rush, the 7.5 points. Bengals simply overrated. We saw what their offensive line could not do last week, cannot protect Joe Burrow. How is that going to be different against Micah Parsons and Dallas' defense? I love this pick. Give me Dallas, 7.5. Wow. Can someone clip that and send it to Cooper Rush's mother? She's going to be thrilled with the love that her son just got. That's crazy town. I, I mean, the Micah Parsons thing I get, but. That is the least, I guarantee, of the 32 sides in the NFL, I guarantee Dallas is the least played side. And that, that's probably the first time that's ever happened. They're the most public team in America, and they're going to be the least played side this week. Think about that. It would be the equivalent of if the Yankees all of a sudden put on the Baltimore Oriole jerseys or something like you can't, you can't overstate how, how much this team gets fucking smashed by the public in betting. And they're not going to be smashed at all. Everybody's going to be betting the Bengals. They're going to be betting the Bengals money line. They're going to be teasing the Bengals down to one. They're going to be, they're going to be money line parlaying the Bengals. I love the Cowboys in this spot. I love, love, love it. Least played time. You got balls all day long. Yeah. I'll join in the crossfire. Please. Go ahead. I got to. I got to only because I think I think I may be on your side if the Bengals had ended up winning that last game. I think there's a reality. That's what makes me love it even more. I think the everyone really? thinks the Bengals have to win this game. There's no way they can start 0-2, blah, 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 blah. What if they are 0-2? What if they are there's 0-2? N- I mean, there's no way. Uh, well, Why? there's a way. I mean, I'm not saying. Why is there no way? Pedigree, pedigree team has to bounce back against a team that has no quarterback. Now, you're right. Maybe they just totally sleepwalk and are like, oh, they have Cooper Rush and we just show up and we'll be fine. Um, I don't know. I just I don't see how a team that has one of the young up and coming quarterbacks, probably the best receiver in the NFL and a really good running back, along with a pretty decent defense, um, how they just don't show up in a must must win game against a team that is going to be down and out. They have the worst coach in the world. They have the worst owner in the world. And at the end of the day, they just lost the only bright spot in their entire fucking franchise. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe the maybe the boys rally around old Coop, but I'm not seeing it. I'm taking the Bengals all day just based on the fact that the Cowboys are dead. Yeah, I'm with you, Hughes, as well. I'm going to crossfire this pick here, Coulter. I think if the Cowboys, even with Dak, looked remotely competent on offense, I think maybe this is a different story. But they had nothing going. And I, I honestly think losing Amari Cooper is going to have a much bigger effect than maybe people thought going into the season. They have nobody on the outside. And C.D. Lamb is best when he's operating in the slot, running off of things, and you still have that outside receiver that you can bounce things off of. But their running game looked awful. Their offensive line, Coulter, is I think the biggest problem here. This is a team that's historically had a phenomenal line. It gave Dak time. It allowed Zeke to run wild. I mean, they were blowing cover. They were blowing blitzes left and right. I mean, they were getting crushed in straight-up pass rush. I think there's just too much going against them. When they look like shit with Dak in the lineup, I don't know how they're going to be better with Cooper Rush. So I'll take the crossfire here too, Coulter. Yeah, great. I, I knew you guys were going to do this <laughs> hours ago, so it's more more money in my bank account. I love this pick. I don't – was it that wasn't one of the ones I threw in there when I guessed the what, yeah. three guesses? That's the, because it's the uh, least sexy pick of the entire I agree, week. I agree. I'm telling I, you. I don't hate it. Seven and a half two is a nice number to get. I mean, this was get, a three and a half point spread. They were three and a half point favorites. They Vegas has swung this spread 11 points from Dak Prescott to Cooper Rush. It is such an overreaction. Such an overreaction. I mean, Mr. You Model, know, see, if you joined wait. us, would, would be all in your favor that you're using the math. You're looking at the line swings. But, I mean, the eye test. that I'm still rolling up the eye test. They look like a shitty team. They look they looked bad on Sunday night. I'm not going to lie. But there, there is something to this, too. And I, this doesn't exactly equal out. But, like, hear me out. Brady is the head coach in Tampa. And although he took that 11-day hiatus, I take his football brain over Mike McCarthy and whatever Dallas has. I just don't see that advantage for Cincinnati in this game. I think Taylor's a boob. I know he went to the Super Bowl last <laughs> year, but like, right. yeah, like I just don't, I don't see McCarthy at as big of a disadvantage as he was last week. Um, and quite frankly, uh, I think Kellen Moore is a really good offensive coordinator. I think he knows they won against Minnesota last year. He outsmarted I Mike just, Zimmer, who is a great defensive mind on the road I'm, with a back of quarterback. I mean, I, how, I think how Kellen long is, Moore is a good coordinator. How long is Dak out? They haven't really well, Jerry's, it's, it's, Jerry Jerry said like it could four be four weeks, weeks. which yeah. I'm not buying. Jerry I, might I think, be on cough medicine. Yeah. I think it's going to be closer to six weeks. All right. So I, there, there is a reality that, you know, guys like in there, maybe the like, we just need to like get a couple until get that gets back. I just don't see how this is one of them. Like, I, and maybe I'm overvaluing Cincinnati. I did think watching that Pittsburgh game that I don't think we'll see Joe Burrow play that bad again. Um, just a couple, just again, looked like a preseason game. He did not get a lot of snaps during, during even during practice during the preseason. Cause he had whatever happened decking or something and like was out for a while, but I just think they just didn't look, but Jamar chase is unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know how the cow, I mean, I, they're going to throw um, digs at him and we'll see like digs has been getting toasted in those matchups and certain you know, recently, I don't know how he played last week. I, that game was so gross. I had to turn it off. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I think, I think the Bengals are, are ripe for this, but I could definitely see this being a three point game. Um, yeah. I just think there's, there's a lot of, I, I don't know. I, and I hope the Cowboys are dead. I do too. Guys, It'd make me chances happy. are they are with Mike McCarthy. I mean, I'm, I'm 
they're their least sexy side because they have the worst coach. You guys are definitely not wrong. He's a abomination of a coach and, and Denver's is probably 31st right now, at least. So. <laughs> Sean Payton's coming, coming home coming boys. back to Dallas, baby. It's all setting up perfectly. You cowboy fans out there. All right. For my first pick, I don't love it, but it's my first pick. Oh, boy. Okay. This is a historical pick and then an eye test pick. I'm taking the saints at home plus two and a half against the Buccaneers. A few reasons. We have seen that this team is one of the only teams that Tom Brady on the Bucks has struggled against. And Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach. I don't think he's a good head coach, but I do think he's still going to scheme up something to slow Brady down. And then this is just piggybacking off of that Sunday night game, which was just atrocious on every level. But I think the Bucks are in trouble too. I think Brady is just not all the way invested right now. He's kind of got one foot in the door. You hear him talking about golf and visiting family and doing some stuff in the off season that you never heard Tom Brady say before. But again, this goes to the offensive line as well. We've seen all these injuries on the Bucks line. I think that makes a huge difference. Now the running game for the Bucks looked great. I thought they looked really good, but now Godwin's out and there's no Gronk there. All you really got now is Mike Evans, right? No AB. You got Leonard Fournette. So I think the Saints are going to be able to dial up a, a, a you know, defensive game plan where they're going to slow Brady down like they have in the past. I would love this if it was at three and a half and they were at home, but two and a half, I still think is enough points where they can potentially steal this game uh, and, and get an upset victory here. So give me the Saints plus two and a half. What do you think, Coulter? You know, this was three all preseason and I knew that the pool was going to obviously because our pool swings at a uh, half point one way. So your point, I was hoping that we get this at three and a half. It went the other way. I don't love it as much. Uh, preliminarily I'm on new Orleans, but there's one thing I really hate about the saints team. And that that's the Falcons ran all over them in week one, uh, all over them. I, I think they averaged like six yards a carry and it was just up and down the field. Uh, very concerning because if a Marcus Mariota led offense with Corderell Patterson could do that, what can Brady do with Leonard Fournette in a homecoming situation, by the way, playing in Louisiana? Um, I don't love Tampa's offensive line. And I, I ultimately went with the the home team getting the points because I do think to your point, I think that there's going to be some pressure on Brady. We know what he looks like when he gets pressure on him. I don't trust that offensive line. I don't love this pick though. So I would, Overall, no like real strong play, but I'm going to take the Saints right now. All right, Hughes, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and crossfire on this one. Um, I think that the Bucks defense is good enough. I agree with you that I think they're going to like. So I was just looking at it. The Saints gave up 201 rushing yards last week. To yeah. the end, his point, all is over. that the worst? Probably. Uh, probably. Uh, yeah, it's got to be the worst. Um, 416 yards total to Marcus Mariota, six yards per play. I mean, like the numbers are, yeah. I mean, they're, they mean, they're giving up over five yards of carry. Um, if that's what their I defense think, is, then this has to be Tampa Bay. That's the question is we don't know. Right. We don't know. Right. Exactly. That, that's the Saints defense or if that was but, him. But every, I'd say, I think I sent you guys the Bucks injury report. I mean, it was extensive. I mean, you almost needed yeah. two pages of a word document to fit all <laughs> these guys in there. Like, uh, and I'm talking single space. Like this was unbelievable. I couldn't like I and I, I said that before the season. I felt like this was going to be like a cursed season because I did hear that obviously, and I'm sure everybody's heard this is Brady's last year. He's that that he has made that commitment that this is it. He wanted to play till 45, um, do the whole thing. 
and that this is it. Uh, but I don't know. This team is like everybody's getting hurt. And I think the one thing that's always been Tom Brady's kryptonite has been injuries, like it is with any good player. If the guys around you that are good are hurt, you're surrounded by a bunch of other guys. You don't have the same timing with your receivers. You don't have the same protection from your offensive line. He starts getting bitchy and, you know, kind of hormonal. And then all of a sudden, the team starts to fall apart. Happened with the Pats a couple times, uh, but they were able to keep it together, which is what you saw against the Cowboys. Like, they're good enough to beat teams. Um, but I agree. They, the Saints have had their number. It's going to be a fun game. Two and a half did make me feel like, oh, that's a Saints line. Like, that, like this is saying, like, you know, we're going to just put this here because we know people will hammer Tampa, but we really think that the Saints are going to not only cover this, but probably win. But we'll see. Uh, but I'll crossfire because I like that. I like the action. He's, I, uh, something about the way the Saints have played Brady. I don't know what it is. Like, even when the Saints were mediocre, they still yeah. were able to shut down Brady. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm just banking on that got, historically. We'll you got to like the fact that uh, Tampa, too, on the road, uh, second time in a row, two-and-a-half-point favorites for the second week in a row. And this is a one-o'clock game. And this might just be conspiracy cold or bullshit. But, like, tell me right that's not the most bet side on Sunday morning. Yeah, has to be. They won on Sunday night in right. front of everybody, right on the road, and they have Tom. I mean, everyone and their mother is going to be banging the bucks. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing we we, we saw the whole public betting with the Broncos on Monday night. So you don't want to be with the Ugh. public. That's just a bad don't, fucking omen. Don't remind me. <laughs> Sorry, Coulter. All right, let's switch. Let's switch it here, Hughes. Let's get your key pick for this week. Oh, man, this is a tough one, boys. All right, so. I really liked what I saw last week. This could be an overreaction. I hope that it's not, but my key pick of the week, and I don't know why it's two and a half. So I'm a little nervous. Eagles at home, Eagles at home against Minnesota. I just think that this team, they look like they've got all the pieces to be a really good offense. Uh, The quarterback can throw it and run it. They have multiple weapons. AJ looked great. They didn't even, I mean, Slim Reaper didn't even get involved. Um, but at the same time, they got Goddard. They, the Sanders had the first, like Miles Sanders up from uh, the grave uh, back in the mix. Gainwell's good. I, I just like their offense. Their offensive line's really good. Um, if they can keep it together and not turn the ball over, I mean, they're going to be really tough. The defense obviously did not look good late, but I think that they packed it in a little bit because that game was so in hand. Uh, and gave up the backdoor cover, but I don't ever think it never felt like the game was really like at risk from a um, from a, are they going to lose perspective. But uh, we'll see. And I'm also not a big I'm not big on Minnesota. I took their I took I actually took the win the under in their win total uh, this season. Um, I think it was at nine and a half. Uh, they did get that win over the Packers and looked good. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm on Philly here. All right, Coulter, what do you think? Yeah, the minute Hughes said two and a half and that he he didn't know if he was too high on this team, I was like, him and I have the exact same pick. Yeah, I have the exact same word. It was like, am I too high on Philly? Am I just buying the line because of the value play? Uh, both of those could be yes by the end of this week, but I'm going to take them here. I like I like the dual option with Hurts. I don't think Minnesota uh, knows how to defend that, quite frankly. I don't think they have the defense for it. I think it's going to give them headaches. And I think Philadelphia is just going to run away with the game. I like them on the offensive and defensive side of the ball on the line. As Hughes pointed out, their offensive line's great. And generally just I'm going to fade Minnesota. Uh, Philly at home in front of the crowd. I, I don't know. I just, I, I like this spot for them. Um, 
yeah. it might be an overreaction. The Lions might actually be garbage, and Philly might have just have a uh, just a bad win on their resume, and this might be more of an even game. But two and a half for the home team, I mean, so, seems kind of fair to me, right? So I, I I agree, and I just one more point on this. One thing that I thought about in that point was why are the Lions a two and a half point favorite over Washington? Washington, yeah. they're I was a wrong like, team favorite in that game. There's no way the Lions are favorite. Interesting. So Vegas must think the Lions have a pulse. I don't know if that's based off what they saw at the end of that game or what, but I was surprised by that, which gave me a little bit more confidence to your point in the Philly thing because it it did make me think, all right, like it doesn't look like the the Lions are a dead dog. Kind of how I feel about the Pats of like, wait, why are the Pats a two and a half point favorite? Like there's just a couple on here that I'm like, either Vegas is trying to like take take some type of angle with these or – they think these teams are not as bad as they played in week one. I, so I'm not as down on Minnesota as you guys are. I mean, that was a pretty impressive win against the Packers. I think the Zimmer cloud over them, like I think he just lost the locker room. I thought that he just divided that team, right? So now, I mean, you know, Hughes, when you got a new coach and sometimes it's like, yep. oh shit, like this could change your entire outlook on things. And you mentioned Jamar Chase is the best player in the league. And yeah, I think it's possible point. Justin Jefferson is the best player in the league. So, yeah. but look, Philly's got a really good secondary too. So like, there's a chance they could kind of limit him, but who else besides Justin Jefferson scares you? So like, this is the game I flip-flopped the most actually, uh, which I hate, which means I really have no read on this game. Uh, I'm currently on the Eagles, but like, this is not a confidence pick for me at all. I, I, I don't know what I'm seeing from both those teams. And the, for me, when I'm evaluating and you both said it too, like, I don't know what to make of, of the Lions. Like when you watch hard knocks, it makes any team look fucking good. So it's like, you can't even factor that in. They got blown out early, but then. All but sudden- I, I do think I, I'm glad you mentioned the hard knocks. I do think that's actually factoring into this phony line with the uh, commanders and the lions. I think that the hard knocks thing is giving them a point. I honestly do. I, I don't understand how this game is not just even, you know, I know it's in Detroit, but how is the, there's no home field advantage for Detroit, you know? Right. Right. Um, two and a half. I, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. A lot of weird numbers. I think being at home two and a half, that number is just not enough to ride with, the, with the Vikings here. So I'm, I'm sitting on Philly, but, uh, there's also the Kirk cousins night game thing. I forgot to throw that in there. He's atrocious oh, yeah. on night games and he has this scheduled where he like, he, he needs to play at one o'clock basically. It's of the like way a Brady situation. Yeah. Um, not, which I like about this. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if I could toss one out, an extra to the listeners team, yes, and I doubled go. up. I, I like, uh, I don't love this one, but I, I do think it's just too many points in a game. Another one, Washington and Detroit thought that game should be a pick em, And I think this game should be a pick em. What am I missing? Vegas hosting Arizona and Arizona is plus five and a half. How are these teams not just dead even? What am I missing with the, the Raiders being a six point favorite to Arizona? That was high. And that, again, also not a home, not a home thing at all. Right. Like, there's no home field advantage with Vegas. Right. Arizona will have fans there. It's a close game. There's no sort of advantage there. So they're saying that they're six points better than Arizona. I just don't see that. And their offense wasn't really clicking either. Like if they came out firing against the Chargers, maybe, maybe. But like that just didn't happen. Yeah, I thought that was too many points as well. I thought that should have been close to. A I don't game. love Cliff Kingsbury. I really don't. But he's good usually at the start of the season yep. and. 
we were talking about teams quote unquote needing a win to get to one and one uh, Cincinnati, you guys had mentioned Arizona has got to feel that pressure a little bit too. They just gave Kyler that ridiculous contract. I mean, they were in the headlines all off season. I feel like they, they have more to play for than the Raiders in this game. And I could get in trouble like trying to do the motivational game week too, but I, that's just too many points in my well, opinion. I think too, the preseason thing factors in with the Cardinals too. Like they were out of that game early. And then all of a sudden the second half, they kind of turned on. So I, you know, you could say, Sure, the game was over. The Chiefs really didn't care at that point. But like, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think their offense is gonna come together a little bit there. So I don't know. Five and a half seems like a weight guy. I I I don't know. I can't get a read. I do agree though. They just got run out of the building. Gave up almost five hundred yards uh of total offense to the Chiefs. Uh they did they only threw for hundred and seventy-nine yards. Yeah. Kyler, I think this is more like a Kyler thing of like They need to see, obviously, like MVP Kyler. He just like his body language is all weird. He's always slumped over. He looks like he's always getting crushed. Um, I don't know if it's an offensive line thing or if it's a Kingsbury thing or what, but I, I I don't know. You know who looked like they were getting crushed last weekend is uh, what's his name on the other team, Derek Carr. He couldn't stay up. I mean, that Raiders offensive line is atrocious. I don't think there's a team with an offensive line like that. Uh, and not doing a full scout of their defense, but let's just say their defense is C plus uh, with an offensive line like that. And the way that their defense is, there's no way they should be getting this or uh, giving this many points to Arizona. I, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. All right, Colter, let's yeah. get your key pick. Now we got a free one out for the listeners. That was the, the Eagles were my key pick. Okay. Yeah. My right. two picks for the pod were Dallas and Philly. And then I bonus pick where was Arizona. I don't love the Kyler Cliff thing, but I just, that's value for points. I just don't see it. I think that's a, that game should be basically a pick in my mind, maybe two points for Vegas. Okay. Maybe. So I originally, when I sat down this morning, had the Steelers as my key pick. I thought maybe this should be weird. Something about the Patriots doesn't feel right, but I can't just make Mitch Trubisky my key pick, especially against Belichick. Can't do it. So instead I test, this is my theme this week. I test. My key pick is a big number, but it's the Bills minus nine and a half against the Titans. Mm. I think we kind of touched on this when we were talking about the Giants. I think the Titans are going in the wrong direction. I think their dominant run here is at the tail end. I don't see anything from Tannehill I like. They've shipped out A.J. Brown. So really now, who are you concerned about that's going to beat you, right? Derrick Henry is still a beast, but... You know, if there's no other offensive threats, I don't know how they spread the ball. And I watched some preseason for their games, and I actually think Malik Willis gives them more of a pop. Now, obviously, he's going to be inexperienced, make mistakes, but, like, he at least can open up your offense a little bit here. I think Tannehill's done. Um, But this is more about the Bills. They went into L.A. and just smacked the shit around against the Rams. I mean, that second half was not even close, not for a minute. And they came out a little slow, but then they found their footing. But, like, I just think everything about Josh Allen is clicking. Everything about that defense now all of a sudden is clicking. I mean, they had, what, like six, seven sacks, a couple of turnovers there. So I think this is a huge disparity. It's in Buffalo. It's a lot of points, but they just won by 21 points against a better Rams team. So I like them as my key pick. What do you think about that one, Coulter? Full agreement. Um, Buffalo seems to be a juggernaut. One thing I, you know, I, I always just like playing devil's advocate. The one thing that would worry me about um, the Tennessee and all those points is that Henry gets going and they kind of dominate the 
control and Buffalo never gets in a groove. Um, but I mean, all it takes is one first one, one first half t- uh, turnover from Tannehill and Buffalo all of a sudden could be up 21 points at halftime. And then there's no turning back. Uh, so, I mean, I think this Buffalo team, uh, similar to juggernauts in the past can really make you pay for mistakes. And if Tennessee makes one, this game over pretty quickly. And the way Tannehill's played recently from what I've seen, uh, I'm going to bet on him doing that and Buffalo taking advantage and running away with it at home in front of their crowd. What do you think Hughes? So I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the bills. Um, I think, I think the Titans are just one of those weird teams. Like I, I, I don't think they're very good. I, I agree with you. They gave up what was probably their most explosive and best like, like game changer player though. Henry's obviously great, but um, I, I'm, I don't see any flaws with the bills right now. I do think the big test is going to be, they held the Rams to 51 yards. I think on the ground total for the game, obviously they were up. So it was kind of hard. They obviously got thrown a, a lot, but I thought that that was pretty telling. And if they can obviously do that against the Titans, I don't know where the Titans get any, any offense whatsoever. So I'm on the bills as well. I think there's, some, I, I think there's something special about it. Um, I do. I'm not a bills fan. Obviously I'm not a bills hater um, for a number of different reasons, but um I get nervous every time Josh Allen runs the ball. Like, I just feel like we're going to lose like an opportunity to see what he can do this season because someone's going to take out his knee and he's going to like blow out his ACL. But that guy's a warrior, man. And if you have a quarterback, that's why I like the, the Eagles and some of these other teams that can run the ball. And obviously he's a much better passer and got a much better arm than it than hurts or somebody like that. But like he, he just brings that element. So I think, yeah, it's, it, they're going to be tough to beat all year. Um, and I think this game, this should be easy pickings for them. So I was talking about this with my dad, Russ, who's been on the show. When you see Josh Allen running, obviously he's so big. I mean, you re- rarely see him taking the hit. He's usually the one delivering the hit, which is yep. crazy. And then the other thing that he does is, he, like you said, Hughes, he's got a better arm than Hurts. So like even when he starts scrambling, we saw it against the Rams. He kind of broke out of the pocket, looked like he was going to run, and flicked his wrist for a seven-yard or 60-yard touchdown pass to Diggs. So like yeah. – he's always looking downfield and he, he still has the threat to run, but I never feel like he's at risk of getting hurt. And obviously a freak injury can happen. So I can go for your knees, whatever, but like right, right. when he's running, I mean, he's a fucking machine. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, he, he's great. I just still get that nerve. I don't know. Like it's, it's weird. Um, you just well, don't want to, their whole season guy like that over if he got hurt. I mean, as good of a team as they are. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're done. And to be honest with you, I care less about that other than just like getting to see him play. Guy just, yeah, he, he's he's fun to watch, um, and so I yeah, I hope and think that they'll they'll keep it going. I do like I don't know any. Do you know why we're getting double Monday night uh, week two? And I don't know. Week. Usually they do that week one, but me, I don't know. That's what I thought. That was weird. Uh, Who knows? It was I'm the Emmys. It was the Emmys. Oh. Ah, good call. Well, I also noticed it's not a West Coast game, so it's there. There's there. It's like a tight NCAA tournament stagger. Oh yeah, like seven fifteen and eight, it's like seven fifteen and eight forty five or something. Or eight thirty. Not that I like that. I also so wanted to be on the record while we're here talking about the Monday night game. I think I texted this to our group chat. I officially want to petition the NFL for putting the Broncos on the Monday night game to week one. <laughs> it's happened five of the last eight seasons, and I'm fucking sick and tired of it. We're, I did we're not getting know abused. That. That's funny. Raiders, Raiders, Chargers, uh, Titans, Seahawks, and I'm drawing on one, but I know all those games have been on Monday night. They're all yeah. terrible. How about that? That's nice. 
All right. I well, think it's, it's not because <laughs> we haven't been watchable the last five or six years. Yeah. <laughs> One thing when we get Manning. Oh, I, man. I will say this is the last Toxic Giants comic because I'm trying to erase that from my head, but it's painful knowing that we could have drafted Josh Allen. It's, it's painful. <laughs> so same with the Broncos. Same with yep. the Broncos. Same All right, with the, I mean, yeah. We got a few crossfires in the books. That's what we always like to see. A lot of action. Let's hope all three of our teams get a win this week. Let's just, let's change the mojo. Okay. Cause I wasn't going to keep pick against Bill Belichick. That's where I stand. They're all favorited. So, I mean, there's a chance. God, when was the last time that happened? I can't think it was very often. <laughs> Speaking of too many points, uh, Broncos nine and a half. I, I don't know what Vegas saw from us on Monday night to think that we should be favored by 10 points against anybody. I know Houston's the dregs of the league, but come on. I'll tell you, uh, this is be my last point too. I think Houston's frisky. I wouldn't like pick them. Of course they're frisky. The... Yeah. Of course they're frisky. Everybody thinks they suck. Yeah. They're the most frisky. I, I hate this line for us. I'm taking Houston to the bank. Hell, I might even pick it on Sunday. Like, uh, I weirdly think right. Davis Mills might be a decent NFL quarterback. He's not uh, bad. Dude, if, da- if Davis Mills outplays Russell Wilson on Sunday, I might be catatonic for our next podcast. I, I, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. If $250 million Russ with his TikToks can't outplay third-round Davis Mills, I'll be irate. I'll have to go and check the tape, Coulter, but I don't know if we ever had a week three Melfi session. It's possible we could have it. This, this year. will require it. My quarterback getting beat by Geno Smith and Davis Mills. And I don't, frankly, winning, losing doesn't matter. I'm talking about head to head, who looks better as a quarterback. Yep. That's all. That's what I'm talking about. If the Broncos win 30 to 10. That's fine. I want to know, did Russell look at, as good as Davis Mills did? Yeah, we'll see. All right. That's another episode of Double Down Trent in the books. We'll see everybody next week. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.